Welcome in to the Devi Devotional Podcast, a show devoted to all things Devi and C2C. Hosted by John Arrington and Aaron Wilcox. This dynamic duo brings you actionable strategies with player-driven analysis for your Devi and C2C leagues. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Welcome into the Debbie Devotional Podcast, where we stay devoted to Debbie. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Aaron Wilcox at Aaron Wilcox86 on Twitter or X. And I am excited to actually be talking about real football, like football that has happened. Uh, touchdowns have been scored. Players have have uh, done really well. Players have done not as well as maybe we thought. Uh, and that's what we're basically going to be talking about tonight. You know, it's, uh, now that we actually have some football, we can finally stop uh, projecting and doing all this stuff. Maybe there's a little bit of projecting still going on. But, you know, we can actually sit here and go, hey, you know, were we right? Were we wrong? And more importantly... Are we going to be winning some championships? All that kind of good stuff. But first, how are you doing tonight, Aaron? Hey, I'm doing well. Yes, it was refreshing to have football back. And man, it's just it's just going to be an exciting season. So many players out there are popping off. And now we're, we're seeing some of these takes materialize. And yeah, I just love this time of year. That's for sure. So looking forward to more college games and also the NFL starting here this week, too. And not to toot our own horn too much, but I guess I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, man, I'll tell you what. It seemed like after uh, week zero and week one, that last podcast that we did, what, two weeks ago, really had a lot of clippable moments. <laughs> and, you know, I was throwing them out on Twitter. Like, every time it was like, this guy blew up, this guy blew up, this guy blew up. It's like, holy crap. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we don't always bat a thousand, but I'll tell you what, we, we did pretty damn good on that last pod. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we did. We hit a lot of players. So go back and listen to that if you just want an idea what this upcoming class might look like. And so far, that podcast is looking pretty good as far as, you know, it's it's not like things have completely changed one week into the season or I guess two weeks into the season for some, um, depending on if your team played in week zero. But yeah, it's looking good early on. All right, but enough about us and all of our dubs. <laughs> why don't we get into, actually, why don't we start negative here? Why don't we get into some of the, maybe the players that have kind of fallen off a little bit in one through one week, but um, maybe, you know, we're, we're a little concerned about, you know, wh- what, how they started the season off, all that kind of stuff. I guess, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, of somebody like a, a Cade Klubnik, you know, like yeah, you had mentioned in the pre-show. I think that's a perfect one to start off with because, I mean, there's been people that have been very hyped about Klubnik. Um, we were never really those people, but uh, you know. But at the same time, we also were never like, "Oh, he can't possibly be good. He can't be, you know, he can't possibly be one of the top guys in the class." Because we just didn't have enough of a sample to really say, like, "No, he's in, he's definitely a hundred percent terrible." We thought he might not be the greatest, but I'll tell you what, man. Week one. He goes out and just looks absolutely terrible. What did you think of that performance? Yeah, if it would have been against an Alabama or, or some def- uh, Georgia, something that was just insanely difficult as the first you know game of the season, I would get it. But he had all off season to prepare for Duke, and it just and Duke's not like this powerhouse team, right? I mean, it's just not that formidable of a defense, honestly. And 
yeah, he just did not look in sync with his wide receivers. And, and you can blame maybe the coaching staff and new system, but at the end of the day, it should have been better than that. I mean, he, he was what? 27 for 43 so that's 62 percent completion percentage for 209 yards barely clearing 200 yards in a game where they needed to throw because they went down they lost the game um and then he had 4.9 average yards per pass attempt i mean that's that's real bad like that's real dink and dunk and one touchdown one interception it's just those numbers are not going to get it done for your c2c leagues they're definitely not going to get it done for Clemson. So unfortunately, that's kind of a stock down. Um, you know, not to say that the guy can never salvage um, his career. I mean, he hasn't had a lot of experience, but it's not a promising start by any means. No, it's not. And it's even more worrisome because he has had attempts in the past. Like, it's not like this was his first start or anything like that. And like you said, Duke's not a powerhouse. He had 2.7% uh, big time throw rate. Not great. Uh, he had 8.5 intended air yards per pass or a dot, however you want to call it, um, which is lending to that like dink and dunk like you were talking about. Like you don't see a lot of like quality QBs dinking and dunking at around the eight yard clip, nine, you know, like nine, nine and a half, ten. Like that's where we start getting, okay, like this is okay. Like your, your top guys, like your, um, let's see. Your Caleb Williams, actually, Caleb Williams is at 9.6. We'll get into Caleb Williams a little bit later, <laughs> but he, he was at 9.6. But like some of the top guys, like Jackson Dart this week, I'm not saying a top guy as far as like Debbie purposes, but like for this week, uh, top guys 13, you know, Michael Penix Jr., 12.5, Shador Sanders, 10.8. Like that's what you're wanting to see, not 8.5 uh, out of a guy. But then, um, but then also like the the points were touched. Just everything was really low for uh, for Klubnik here. And like like you said, I don't think that it's going to get much better. It could get a little bit better as the season progresses, as he ages and progresses and all that kind of stuff. I I think that I've I've been basically all out on Klubnik. I, I think we talked about him being what fifth in the. 2025 rankings, you know, maybe a couple months ago, something like that, um, as far as the 2025 class. But I, I don't think anything's changed. If anything, he might have fallen a little bit lower for me. <laughs> <laughs> and and I can't remember. You're right. It was a little bit lower. I'm not sure if it was quite ever to, like, the Ty Simpson area, just because, I mean, unfortunately, at Alabama, things have just not really clicked for him. But, yes. Definitely some concerns there. So, um, but you mentioned Caleb Williams. I, I guess I am kind of curious. Do you have a USC take, or, or is there any disappointment um, that you're viewing USC with right now? Not really disappointment necessarily. I believe he was. He looked really rusty. Caleb Williams looked really rusty in Week One. Um, it was against a, you know nobody. So they, of course they rolled all over him and everything. But I do believe that he really looked rusty. Um, Week two, I didn't watch as much of the game, so I can't really say if he looked anything. Uh, and once again, they rolled all over him. But I, I don't think that we can take too much away from it, you know. And so, like the one game that I did watch, he looked rusty. I have no idea how he really looked in in week two. Obviously, I've seen the clips on you know the highlights from people like, oh my god, look at this insane throw. But whether it's the O line, whether it's him, he always seems to have to be running his ass off to try to like make a play. And um, obviously, we love the quarterbacks that can make that happen, but it seems like it's every play. 
you know, and like the plays breaking down on every play. And and once again, I'm I'm not a film guy. I'm not trying to scout or or break that kind of stuff down to say it's his fault or anything like that. I'm just saying it it is happening. And so I am a little concerned about once they get into conference, maybe not conference play because. Pac-12, but uh, once they get into, like, they, they have a tougher schedule. Like, I, I think they play, like, Notre Dame and, and a couple, like, top-end player, uh, top-end schools there uh, in, in, like, maybe the middle of the season. So, I am a little concerned once they actually hit, like, a real opponent, what is going to happen. Uh, the other thing, I you know, we've seen with some of these uh, players, you know, we've seen Zachariah Branch blow up in week one, like, absolutely blow up, you know, looked amazing on, like, you know, Short, uh, minimal touches, if you will. But, I mean, it just absolutely looked amazing. And then, you know, they're trying to get Makai Lemon going. They're trying to get Deuce Robinson going. Like, they're doing all this stuff. I really think that they're just trying to see what they have while they have these easy opponents. And then later on down the road, it's going to be more like, okay, now we have to get our actual like players in there. Um, so I don't know if we can truly take away, because I know, you know, we've talked about it in, in group chats and stuff. Like, I'm the biggest Dorian Singer fan in the world. And he hasn't done a lot. I mean, he's he's been a part of the of the team. No one really has done a lot. I mean, te- technically, Taj Washington is the the wide receiver one for USC right now. So if you believe that Taj Washington's the best wide receiver on their team, then by all means, you know, they, they go ahead and, and just take everything as is right now. But I think that they're really trying to see what they have. They have this young team. They have these young players. When we're when we're gonna win by fifty, why not pl- play these guys? See what we have, and then we'll get, you know later on we'll get into okay, we actually need to win this game, and we're gonna put the best players out there. Yeah, and and I think that's fair. I, I guess I'll touch on the singer thing here in a second, but with the Caleb Williams stylistic play, I mean, I do think that there will be some similar play style concerns, or at least maybe not even concerns, but just play style. Um, as like a Kyler Murray out there who needs to potentially scramble around a little bit just to free himself some room and just be able to see downfield, uh, make wide receivers extend the play, get open for them or just use the legs. I mean, they, they possess great scrambling abilities and playmaking abilities for their team. So I think that, yeah, there there's probably going to be that potential where Caleb Williams does end up having to run around much more than, you know, some of the very elites, but ultimately yeah, you know, I, I like him as a weapon. Hopefully he does continue to to get better as he gets more of those reps this season with just, I mean, some new wide receivers in that core, or at least he's losing his best target out there. And you mentioned Dorian Singer coming in from Arizona. Um, I, I can't say that I'm not a little bit disappointed with the start. And, you know, should is the starting offense out there the whole game against these guys? No, they, they played San Jose state. They played Nevada and you're right. They wanted to get these young guys, minimal touches, but they really blew up on those minimal touches versus on the minimal touches that Dorian singer had less efficient, you know, six for 78 yards total between the two games and, and a touchdown, um, a little bit less explosive than we had hoped. But again, we can't bury them on a small sample, but you look back at what, um, a guy like Jordan Addison went last year against rice. He went five for 54 yards and two touchdowns. And then in Stanford, he went off for seven for 172 and two touchdowns. So he kind of was, 
you know, really showing up as that number one right off the bat. I'm I'm not sure that Dorian Singer's coming in quite that hot, but I also don't think that anybody's comparing him quite to a, a Jordan Addison, who who was a very good prospect. So ultimately, a little bit of concern. But you know, if we're doing that concern rating, um, where are you from zero to ten with Singer? Because I'm kind of like right in the middle with him. I'm not like panicking, but I'm also not. You know, it's it means something to me. Yeah, I can get behind that. I mean, I. I honestly, I'm not concerned because, like I said, I, I really do think that they're testing it out. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, um, but that's what it seems like. If you look at it, we have uh, per game, Zachariah Branch, Taj Washington, Mario Williams, and Dorian Singer are averaging through two games, three receptions per game. So they all have three receptions. So you can't even say uh, like one. Who, who's the who's the wide receiver one right now? You can't say now. I will say just from experience and stuff like that, I would still assume that's Dorian Singer, but we haven't, no one's been tested, you know, not to mention Taj Washington has had these huge plays, these, you know, 50, you know, 40, 50 yard plays, 60 yard plays, even scoring touchdowns that just end drives. You don't have to throw to a Dorian Singer or, or anyone for that matter at that point. Um, if anything, I might be a little concerned about Makai Lemon, but I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to freak out about a, a true freshman, you know, not doing anything through two games either. So like, I'm not, I'm not losing my mind about that, but I mean, he, he's barely done anything. He's been involved, but I mean, it's not, it's not fantastic. He has, I mean, if you really want to look at, at everyone else on the team, I mean, uh, Dorian Singer, 3.3 PPR points per touch, Mario Williams, 2.65 PPR points per touch, Deuce Robinson, five PPR points per touch, Makai Lemon. 1.3, <laughs> you know, so like it drops off pretty damn hard there. Uh, and then Zachary Branch at 4.3, Taj Washington, 7.8 PPR points per touch. <laughs> it's a, yeah, Taj, Washington, <laughs> Taj Washington is the clear wide receiver one. We have to just run with it. Add him on all of your waiver wire. No, <laughs> it just, that's what I'm saying. It just seems like everything's a little too fluky right now, you know, and that's why I'm not freaking out. I, I get a little bit of concern. I would have loved to have seen, you know, I, I, I hyperbolically called for three touchdowns in week one from Dorian Singer. Now I got one and it was very early, <laughs> you know, but uh, it, it, it hasn't quite been as great as I would have liked to, you know, him to start the season, but I'm not, I'm not really not concerned. Sure. Um, are you concerned about Ohio state? We'll change gears here. Um, they, they're going to go through some growing pains here with a slightly different offense and different QBs playing, man. It, it was kind of a rough game specifically for McCord, but the whole offense really saw, saw the struggle, right? It, it the quarterback play did not help them out at all. And the running game didn't even come through either so i think the offensive line you know deserves some blame there mccord didn't do what he needed to do um yeah i mean do you think they're going to turn it around they have the weapons to do so they have you would think the system in place to really um maybe make things right here going forward i've been pretty vocal about my concerns about the quarterback situation how you know i felt like them not naming a qb basically meant that they don't have a qb and so you know i i I didn't see anything in that first game that made me change my mind on that. Uh, so yes, to answer your question, I am concerned. Um, I'm not concerned about the players themselves as far as, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Ibuka, you know, Trevian Henderson, like all that. Like all the, the running game looked 
I, I won't say the running game. The offensive line looked absolutely terrible. <laughs> it looked absolutely terrible. Um, the running game was fine, decent, you know, whatever you want to call it. It was not great by any means. And I guess I am a little concerned about Trevion Henderson if he's going to be the you know the player that I thought he was. Just because is the offensive line is the offense in general going to let him be? Not to mention, you know, they really are splitting it like three or four ways uh, with those players. And we kind of expected that, but it may be worse than we kind of feared. And Mayan Williams definitely seems to be the goal line back. So that's all a little scary. But getting back to the actual like passing offense, um, I am a little concerned. I honestly was about to take Emeka Ibuka out of my uh, out of my starting C2C roster, and then I realized that they were playing Youngtown State. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I'm going to go ahead and leave him in there. So I, I, uh, I'm I not going to freak out just yet. Now, if, he, if they don't produce again against Youngtown State, then we might have some problems. <laughs> How much are they going to crush Youngtown State by now? Like being fired up, being just ready for just that's, some That's the thing. Normally... Normally, I might be a little concerned that, you know, like, oh, they're going to score one touchdown and then take everyone out of the game or whatever. But they need to show that they can actually do something. And, I mean, they – the worst part is, I know it was only a few plays, but, like, Devin Brown came in and was not any better. If anything, he was worse than Kyle McCord for those, like, three plays, the smallest of samples. But, man – they need to show something, and I feel like they probably will. And they, I mean, they they might win a hundred to zero. Like it, it might happen. Emeka Buka might have like eight touchdowns to, uh, this weekend. So I'm leaving him in my in my lineup. I am concerned, uh, man. I'll tell you, it just Kyle McCord did not. I, I know it's very early, and, and people were posting on on Twitter like this is uh, C.J. Stroud's first. 18 pass attempts and this is comic chords like let's not do that guys <laughs> like that this is not the same we can use our eyes and we can actually figure out that these are not the same things yeah no that's fair for sure and it sounds like we're so negative, you know, starting off with some of the underwhelming starts to the college football season. But you know, we're gonna give you guys some really um you know exciting takes, some maybe things to look forward to or that are very encouraging here in a minute. But um we we would be silly not to to talk about one of the best offenses, uh, rushing offenses in the entire nation, uh, Minnesota. Minnesota looking terrible. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, for real, Minnesota's running game, at least in C to C leagues, you're always paying attention. Who is that running back one? Well, don't expect those running back one numbers this season out of Minnesota. Mo Ibrahim, he's gone. And after him, I mean, I I actually like Zach Evans, who didn't even play in this game. Um, he was a true freshman last year. But Sean Tyler out there, yuck, 41 yards. And he's just not, he's not going to be it. He's not truly dynamic or big enough, in my opinion. And then the next closest was Bryce Williams with 14 rushing yards. And that's, that's against the Nebraska team who will play tough, yes, but they're not like a top five unit either with that new coaching staff and, and system and all that. So anyways, that Minnesota offense, they were actually throwing the ball, which was exciting, um, but it was dink and dunk. It wasn't at least a prolific down the field passing attack at all. So just don't expect high flying offense, especially running game out of Minnesota this season, as much as it hurts. And yes, I'll probably still go to a Minnesota game this season, but um, not expecting the score to be like 60 to 50 or anything like that. No, and I mean the the passing attempts were promising, but man, I'll tell you what, like you said, it was a lot of dink and dunk. I was I had high hopes for Elijah Spencer this year because I felt like they were going to pass more. They talked about it that you know the offense was going to do more and all that kind of stuff, and it's true. 
except for everything's two yards past the line of scrimmage. So it's like Elijah Spencer's more of a, of a down th- field threat and you're just not going to get too many of those. So unfortunately that part might not work out, but I think we've talked way too much about uh, Minnesota at this point. So, um, I mean, is are there anyone else we we've been concerned about Ohio State? We've been uh, concerned about you know some, maybe some people at at USC, not necessarily uh, really. Like we're we're not done yet. They're done there yet, I should say. Uh, but are there any other uh, teams, players, or anything you're really freaking out about? Because I'd like to get into the good the good players, the ones that we want to talk about. <laughs> uh oh, looks like Aaron froze up a little bit. Uh, I'll actually mention one. I've been pretty much all out on Matthew Golden for uh, quite a while now. Uh, Not all out, but uh, I've been much lower on Matthew Golden than just about everyone else. And uh, I feel like I was kind of vindicated in week one. I mean, I I don't want to do victory laps after one week, but it sure seems like a player that I probably could if I really wanted to. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Matthew Gold, not the hot start. And I just don't think that offense, that's why when I went on the C2C podcast recently, he was one of the guys that I was a little bit skeptical on. Um, I also listed Will Shipley, and I'm not victory lapping that because, honestly, it was the offense's fault. Like, if the offense would have got their stuff together, I'm sure Shipley would have had, you know, a pretty good day. But ultimately, you know, some of the concerns there – with Matthew Golden are offense related, you know, his share might, might take a tick up, but he didn't, he didn't start off hot at least. So yeah, there, there might be something to our concerns uh, with Matthew Golden. And I was going to shout out maybe the Florida offense, just because we, we didn't expect it to be prolific, but unfortunately they didn't even get uh, their most talented running back, Trevor Etienne. I mean, they gave him some carries. He, he did seem like he was the lead back, but they were still sharing that backfield. And it was just, it was yucky as far as trying to get him in creative situations and or just block anything open. So, I, I mean, I get that Utah is a tough team. They they really are. So matchup wise, I'm not like, again, if it's zero to 10 on the panic meter, I mean, maybe it's like a four as far as like CFF production and things like that. But for him to really grow his stock, I mean, the offense has to do something. So I'm hopeful that they'll have some good games this season. But uh, yeah, Florida, not the, not the most impressive start. No, not at all. And I mean, I I think that it was to be expected. Graham Mertz is not a quarterback. <laughs> He's just not. He's and I don't know why they ever thought I know they screwed up the whole Jaden Drashada thing and 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 all that. But I mean, like I don't know why they ever thought that like Florida should be able to get better quarterbacks than Graham Mertz. Like it it should happen. And uh, I don't know what it is about Florida. I don't know if they're cursed or, or what, you know, but it's just, they cannot get a freaking quarterback. It just, it doesn't happen every year. It's just like, if we just had a quarterback, we could do, nope, nope, it's not happening. So um, you can hear the tilt in my voice. I I, I hated everything. The, the worst, actually, it was the worst thing that ever happened in the beginning. And then I realized it was actually the best thing that ever happened. But as I was going to turn on the game, Spectrum, I have Spectrum uh, TV. Spectrum lost their uh, service with Disney and ESPN. Like literally at 8 o'clock. I was watching the pregame show. 7.30 to 8. Everything's good. 8 o'clock hit. It starts starts doing some kind of like pregame thing. And I'm like, all right, cool. Game time. And it goes blank. And I was like, what the hell's going on? I'm freaking out. I'm trying to like, I'm flipping channels. Every other channel works. But not ESPN. 
And then I'm going on Twitter. People are like, oh, Spectrum sucks. You know, like blah, blah, blah. Come to find out Spectrum didn't pay Disney. They didn't, you know, so they don't have those channels anymore. It happened literally as that game was starting. And so I'm pissed. Then I started looking at the box score. I was no longer pissed. They saved me from having to watch that nightmare of a game. So I, <laughs> I was That's like, great. thank you. Thank you, Spectrum. You, you knew what you were doing. Yeah, sometimes it's nice to just get lucky like that, huh? You thought it was bad luck. It's actually good luck. So <laughs> we, we don't exactly. have to. Yeah, and we don't really have to waste time on, on the Alabama. Like they are who we thought they were as far as, you know, Jalen Milrow, he's going to run around. It's going to be fun for maybe his fantasy managers who who roster him because he'll probably get a couple rushing touchdowns, maybe not every single game, but the majority of games he's going to be relevant on the ground and he'll do just enough passing wise to potentially get Alabama some wins here. But is that going to allow the offense to really flourish? Is that going to allow the running backs to rack up touchdowns in the red zone or just in general? And is it going to allow the wide receivers to get a heavy workload? No. And we kind of saw that and, and I get it was against lower competition. So we didn't get to really see them, you know, keep the gas um, on the whole game. But, you know, I, I guess you should be at least looking forward to seeing Isaiah Bond develop. He was pretty exciting in this game with that one long touchdown. But I mean, that was kind of his big play of the day. So ultimately, yeah, if you're relying on them for week to week production on your team, I, I don't know exactly what to tell you there. Um, we kind of saw this coming as far as it's not going to be as prolific as it has been in past years at Alabama. Yeah, if, if I'm not taking a lot away from USC in their first two games, I'm definitely not taking a lot from Alabama in its first game. Um, I honestly, I only watched the first maybe five minutes of that game. And I don't think Jalen Monroe looked very good in those five minutes. Uh, now, obviously, he put up great numbers and everything after that. I, I don't really know exactly what happened, but if it's what Middle Tennessee or whoever the hell they were playing, <laughs> something to that effect. Uh, so I'm not overly concerned about about that. Um, yeah, it, it's great to see. We were both like, I guess, hesitant, but believe still believing in Isaiah Bond um, at the beginning of the year or during the off season. So. I guess that's good to see that, you know, we still you know, can see that uh, the big play potential and all that kind of stuff from Bond, which is what we were kind of hoping for anyway. I really struggle to, to believe that Jalen Milrow is a quality quarterback. I just, I don't, I don't see it. Um, but we, I don't think we can take too much away from, from it. So we just have to wait at this point. Um, yeah, exactly. We, we do have to wait a little bit and, and you could look at like the completion percentage, like at least he's in the 70%, but you know, you look at competition, you look at some of the factors that go into that. And like you said, not a big takeaway other than, I mean, he looks comfortable. They're, they're not rotating in quarterbacks. So it's maybe not quite as, as dire of a situation if you have him on your fantasy team, as it is like having Kyle McCord right now, where you're kind of worried that any moment, you know, they're just going to pull the plug on, on McCord um, as their starter. I don't know that we're there yet for Alabama, but we'll see Texas looming this week. That's going to be a big, big game. Um, I think it's like 6 p.m. or something this this Saturday, and I would like to watch that game. That should be fun. Well, I have another one that I'm a little concerned. Or actually, I wouldn't say I'm a little concerned with. Like I, I don't, I don't believe I was already mostly out on this player, and then week one happened, and they upset Clemson. I don't believe that Riley Leonard's a uh, an NFL QB. I just don't like. I I thought there was glimpses of hope, 
but I just I don't see it. Uh, he had he literally had zero a zero percent big time throw rate in this game. Like the, obviously a very important game, a game that they won, <laughs> you know. And and Clemson was terrible, so they just kept giving the ball back to Duke, and Duke was like, yeah, well, you know, we're gonna win by a little bit. So it's like it nothing nothing spectacular, nothing. Uh, Riley Leonard had zero a zero percent big time throw rate. He had five point four intended air yards per pass 5.4 remember we were talking about uh who was it uh earlier at 8.5 that we were saying you know wasn't the greatest 5.4 is terrible so um cam fancher if you know who that is had 5.8 and i i'm trying to remember marshall the quarterback for marshall cam fancher uh had 5.8 uh, intended air yards. He actually had 0.4 more intended air yards per pass than uh, Riley Leonard did. So that just goes to show you what you're dealing with. <laughs> no, nobody should know who that is. Um, that's. Uh, I like, almost actually, I actually almost drafted Cam Fancher in one of our C to C leagues. <laughs> Looks like you're missing out, man. Better than Riley Leonard. You heard it here Com- first. <laughs> completely missing. out. <laughs> I, I, I now I did I actually did I did not draft him because I finally decided that his like forty eight percent completion rate was not good enough, but he does some running as well. So <laughs> yeah, and I mean Leonard was always a, a nice floor pick for C to C leagues just because of the rushing floor, literally. But at, at the end of the day, you're right; he needs to take a step forward passing wise. We didn't quite see that, um, but it, you know Clemson's defense, I guess at least they're you know, past defense is um, solid enough where let's see what he does this season, but it sure didn't catapult him into consideration for the QB three in the class. However, who would you say right now is the, um, is the guy who rose up and probably is going to take that spot this season? Well, I'll tell you what, I think that the, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So you're asking about the 2024 class. I thought we were getting into a different class there. <laughs> so no, no. All right, 2024 class. I, honestly, I it, it's tough to say right now, but I think that I saw everything I needed to see from JJ McCarthy. Now it wasn't once again it wasn't the greatest defense or anything like that that he had to play against. But all we've talked about all, all off season, or at least all I've talked about all off season, is how the team or the coaches are saying that they're going to throw more. They're going to throw more. They're going to throw more. Well, they threw more. Um, if anything. Uh, shit. What was who did they play? I, I can't. I can't remember. Remember right now. Um, whoever they played, I, I can't think of it right now. Wait, was uh, it like actually, East, East Carolina or something. Uh, I that I think that sounds right. Um, whoever it was, they basically sold out against the run. Like they stopped every single run play. And think about how good Michigan's run offense is. And they could not run. I mean, you had a couple big plays. Like, Corum had, like, a 30-yarder. Donovan Edwards had a couple big plays. But, like, when you think about Michigan's offense, that is not, like, oh, they had one or two big plays or whatever. It's they broke off... You know this many, uh, this ninety yarder for a touchdown, and this sixty yarder for a touchdown. Like that was not happening. They sold out for that. JJ McCarthy, a normally rushing QB, had negative yardage. Like they, they were, they were selling out for the run. They were saying JJ McCarthy throw on us, and guess what he did? He threw on them. Um, you know, it, it easier competition. Not trying to like victory lap it or anything like that. But he showed us that he can definitely do it, and um. Let's see here. I, I thought I had him, but uh, oh, here he is. Okay, so he had. 
Oh, I lost it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, he had wait, some wait, impressive wait. throws out there where he was just he was scrambling outside the pocket and he delivers a super accurate pass for a touchdown. That was one that really stuck out um, as far as watching back some of the plays he made. So he's certainly making a claim for that QB three spot, and it's really grown on me. You know, having him there—that's who—that's who I currently have. You've kind of been able to chip away at at some of the reservations I had this off season. So that's, you know, good call on your end. And honestly, JJ McCarthy, he's showing this season that, yeah, he's ready to make that, that next step up. Um, we'll have to see, I guess, as they continue on the season, but yeah, I love what I saw out of him. Yeah. And I will say like some of those plays to Roman Wilson, like some of those throws to Roman Wilson were just like perfect NFL throws, like what you want to see. And, and I hate to say it over and over again, but of course against lower competition, but um, I, I'm also not expecting Roman Wilson to catch three touchdowns per game, but, uh, you know, I, I think that we saw that it can be done, you know, like it, it can happen. And so that's, that's all I needed to see because he was already there. He was already my QB three. So nothing changed for this week. It's not like I'm saying, Oh, we're skyrocketing him because of East Carolina or whoever the hell they played. <laughs> Maybe I should go see JJ McCarthy play live um, October seventh at Minnesota. Ooh, that'd be nice. Nice, uh, what twenty point loss for Minnesota? <laughs> Might not be pretty, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but at least you get to see him, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's like I went to uh, I went to the Outback Bowl. What was it? Uh, yeah, last year and uh, saw Raheem Sanders. Rocket Sanders, you know, like in the flesh. So like, it was nice to see like that kind of stuff. Now I didn't have, I didn't have an, an, uh, an iron in the fire. I didn't, I didn't care who won the game or whatever. So that, that worked out, but, uh, but it was nice to be able to see those players live. Yeah. You, you saw Raheem Sanders before he ate too many cheeseburgers. Oh no. Yeah. That's another one that I guess we should be concerned about is, uh, no, I, is Rocket I mean, Sanders. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I think he'll be fine. Right. And, and maybe by the combine time, he'll actually, he'll, he'll cut down a little bit. Well, well, I heard today that he's not practicing. So, I mean, something's going on. I don't know what it is, but, uh, he has some kind of injury. Uh, I, yeah. I like I said, I, I have no idea. And of course they don't, they won't tell you like, yeah. Sam Jackson, the quarterback that I like, the sleeper quarterback I've been throwing out there for what a couple weeks now, a month now, whatever. Uh, he he actually started off hot, threw a perfect pass, perfect touchdown to uh, Jeremiah Hunter. Everything's looking great. I'm about to victory lap the hell out of some people, and then he got hurt. Uh, you know, like uh, on the next drive, so he got hurt in the second drive of the game, af right after he threw a touchdown. And, uh, of course I can't victory lap because he didn't do anything else at that point. But point of the story is I can't find out it. Like all it says is he had an upper body injury. I mean, that could mean a lot of things. I guess we're assuming it's a shoulder, but, uh, you know, hopefully for Debbie purposes, you're probably not relying on Sam Jackson right now. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, hopefully not. Um, now we can talk about the quarterback at Arkansas maybe as a potential riser too. We talked about McCarthy and KJ Jefferson looking like a tank out there. If you haven't seen that hit that that defensive player laid on him and the defensive player just, just fell down and, and KJ Jefferson kept running and scrambling outside. And I, I don't know if he like completed the pass or what, but this, Oh, the he, guy, did. he did. Yeah, the too. Guy's the mass, <laughs> yeah. He's a massive um, and strong quarterback. That's for sure. So uh, I guess the question remains, you know, is he going to be able to do enough this season? And if he kept, keeps putting plays like that out there, um, 
you know, people are going to be forced to actually take him serious. Well, I will say like his big time throw rate was low. It was 2%. Um, I believe it was also against lower level competition as well. So like maybe he didn't really have to do too much, um, you know, per se, but I will say his intended air yards was 10.7, which is what you love to see. So like he, people kind of wanted to talk about KJ Jefferson as not an NFL QB, you know, just like, Oh, system QB or whatever, like that kind of thing. Stuff like that leads me to believe that he's more than that, you know, like, the, and that's why he's my QB four in the class. So, you know, we, we talked about JJ McCarthy, QB three, KJ Jefferson's my QB four in the class. Um, and nothing I saw in that game leads me to believe that he's not going to be the QB four. So, you know, nothing, once again, nothing's changed for me. Um, and, and obviously you saw, you saw that play. Was that one play enough for you to move him up to QB four in the class for you? Um, no, I don't, not off one play, but I also, well, I, I liked him, right? We, we both liked him beforehand. So, um, I haven't even done a deep dive into the game. And like I said, I'm, I'm trying not to overreact too much to games where they're like, they were solid, but they didn't really, you know, get pushed out there to see what they could ultimately put up. He was, he was, um, he was playing a safe game, I'm sure. And honestly, my concerns always been the wide receivers like you're not going to throw those you're not going to even attempt those big time throws if your wide receiver core sucks if they can't separate and they're not winning contested catches it's like you're throwing up picks or you're throwing incomplete passes all the time down the field um i think there's there's probably some sort of overlap between you know if you don't have any weapon you know capable weapons you know could that bring down your big time throw rate i i suppose i i'm not sure so what I actually thought you were moving to earlier in the night was getting into the 2025 class because we're actually starting to you know get a look at some of these QBs now, and we had uh, Drew Alar, Connor Wegman, obviously uh, Cade Klubnick, uh, even Ty Simpson got on the field a little bit, you know. So uh, Devin Brown once again got on the on the field a little bit. So we we've seen some of these players now, uh, but I feel like we're starting to get kind of a a clearer understanding of who the, the top end talent was. I believe both of us always had Connor Wegman at the top. Uh, did anything change for, you know, from week one, or do you still believe that Connor Wegman is kind of the truth when it comes to the 2025 QB class? Yeah. Well, Alar is also intriguing there too. And no, not much has really changed based on, on those top guys performances. And, yeah, ultimately, some promising things out of both of them. Wigman, he's actually going to have some nice weapons there this year. I think we've been just kind of underselling anybody past Evan Stewart. But, you know, Moose Muhammad, who kind of I warmed up to this offseason. Um, what was that name? Moose Muhammad. Oh, Moose. Uh, okay, now yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He was a guy who's like, he's a great option, but honestly, he might even be passed up now. Uh, who's at Noah Thomas. Um, who's, who's kind of rising there as a sophomore. Another name that, that John has liked. And I don't know if that was, um, if that was somebody really on people's radars before the season. So that, that's just a nice sleeper to be able to, um, pick up if, if you haven't had your waivers go through yet in the C to C league, you definitely want to be grabbing that guy because honestly, if we like, Wigman, if we like that offense to maybe, you know, improve some in the passing game, we liked some of these tertiary options, um, secondary guys past Evan Stewart and, and no Donovan, um, Donovan green this season, either the tight end who had a lot of potential because unfortunately he had some sort of season ending leg injury. 
Yeah, actually, so I I spent most of this week building, uh, I guess like 2023 models for uh for all of the positions in uh, CFF because I really wanted to see like who out of all of these players are really standing out. And obviously, we're through one week, so I'm not I'm not trying to like take too much from from what we're seeing but noah thomas was the fourth ranked wide receiver in week one just week one not looking at anything else not looking at previous seasons recruit ranking or anything like that literally just what he did and like and what conference he is what year in school he is like little stuff like that but i you know i don't want to end up looking at some fcs play or something like that but um but you know think about that noah thomas fourth overall in a wide receiver <laughs> that's that's pretty nice and i don't think that i've ever heard a single other person talk about noah thomas and i i told aaron what was it, it, it i'm trying to remember when when it was i think it was when i drafted the c to c or campus to canton league of record draft and i drafted noah thomas and you said who <laughs> i said noah thomas you you'll hear it here you, you'll, you'll hear it soon or whatever and then i showed you some blurbs from uh spring practices and stuff like that and you were like oh okay you know, this is a little little promising and then everyone went to 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 pick up noah thomas in that league this week f- from waivers and then they all realized that he was already on my team <laughs> I, hey, I, I love that and and honestly that's just one of those deep cuts that I, I gotta give you props on right I mean just a guy who nobody really expected him to come in and win that job necessarily with Muhammad and and with Evan Stewart being there and Donovan Green at tight end and no I mean he's he's making a name for himself so definitely go out and grab him um what what other you know big time players are you excited about or maybe even just team systems anything like that based on just this um, early season success so far so like i said i i built all these models for each position and i and i i wanted to see like a, some separation between drew alar and connor wagner you know like some some of those players those qbs in that class the hilarious thing is through week one Drew Alar and Connor Wegman are literally tied in the week one model. <laughs> so it's absolutely hilarious. Now I always had Connor Wegman higher, but I mean, it wasn't like substantially higher or anything like that. So to, if you go back to like the overall model, Wegman's still higher, but man, I'll tell you what, like it, I, I wouldn't make an argument and I actually feel a little bit better about Alar than I did because I was concerned with, uh, you know, like who he was going to throw to and all that kind of stuff. And that actually leads me to a question that I had earlier. I was, I was working earlier and it just, I was started to think about it. I'm like, we really focus on the players here. We, we focus on player values. We focus on, you know, players themselves. We don't get into the college football aspect as much. Every once in a while we talk about, Oh, this team, this coach, whatever, like that kind of thing. But we really don't get into it too much, but man, we knew Drew Allard was a good player. We knew Connor Wegman was a good player. Like we knew Kate Klubnick was a bad player. You know? But there's all these narratives around. Okay, well Drew Allard doesn't have anyone to throw to. Okay, well Kate Klubnick has this coach, so it doesn't matter that he's bad because he he has that coach. And Drew Allard doesn't have anyone to throw to, so we don't want to have him. And, you know, like players like that. Dylan Sampson is the fourth running back on their team, so we don't want to have him. You know, like. All these different things. Noah Thomas was the fourth wide receiver on his team. We don't want to have that player. At what point do we go, 
the narratives don't matter nearly as much as the players, what the players have shown us. And I mean, sure, it might be a little easier for me to say that Noah Thomas has shown me something because I've spent all the time building these models and, 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 and diving deep into these numbers. And so it's a little easier for me than for you. You're not necessarily going out of your way to find Noah Thomas film. <laughs> so that, 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 that's easier said than done. But that's also why this podcast exists, you know. So, but at what point do we go the the player value or the player uh, the players themselves matter more than the narratives? Sam Jackson can actually be a good C to C or CFF quarterback because we've actually seen him do it already, and then the team went out and, and got that player. The narrative that he can't throw and this and that, like whatever. Guess what? He could throw. Now it was the smallest samples, but like he was, he, he became the starter. He, you know, he blew up in, in the first drive, like, you know, th- things like that. That was probably wasn't the best example. There's better examples, but I, I think um, the list, I how think do you feel? Listed off, yeah. I mean, the examples that you gave there were really good. And then the, the wheels came off there for the Sam Jackson, three out of four attempts. Come on, let's 8.3 average. Maybe that's a discussion for another day after we actually see him for more than one game. Um, but ultimately you, you gave some really good examples there. Dylan Sampson, another name that you've probably heard as like a sleeper just dropped on this podcast because I know both you and I have him rostered in C to C leagues. Like, I mean, just super buried, but like you said, talent, sometimes finds a way and and we should always keep that in mind and something I keep coming back to. We mentioned Minnesota earlier. It's like, well, yeah, maybe we should have listened to a, a combination of the camp reports saying that there wasn't really one guy who, who was going to break out there and especially not of the young guys. And then also the fact that, well, they don't really have like a five-star guy coming at, you know, like a big time player coming in. We need to, first bank on talent and then sometimes you know guys will will just come out of nowhere you can't really discern ahead of time who the talented guys are but usually there's signs right usually there's some sort of small sample as a as a freshman um that these guys are going to have a potential um future as a stud in college just because of the fact that they they were very efficient very explosive whatever the case is so yes big time players are going to make big time plays. We got to be able to um, make sure that we're um, doing the player analysis, not just blindly doing the system and saying X coach always feeds his RBs equally or feeds one RB only. It's like, well, if there's not good talent there, why would a coach just keep funneling one RB touches? You know, I mean, sometimes it happens, but for the most part, yes, the player analysis ends up being almost more important and it's it's a deadly weapon when you can kind of wield both you have a good knowledge of offensive situations and systems and you combine that with saying well my player analysis is sound as well i'm not getting too caught up in the hype or this narrative or that narrative um you're able to kind of discern that talent plus the the other knowledge you can get from from doing research knowing systems knowing you know some of the coaching stuff too yeah, not to throw you under the bus, but I'm about to throw you under the bus. Uh, you know, it's, I, I, I think of like a Logan Diggs. I said that I didn't feel like Logan Diggs was a great player. You said, hey, he's the starting running back for LSU. 
guess what? <laughs> he's, he's not the starting running back for LSU. Um, so I, I feel like there's just, there's so many examples. And I mean, that, that's just one example of, of thousands, uh, you know, and it doesn't mean that it, it always works out because there's that one coach that's really stubborn. He's going to do things his way and, and all that. And so like, I'm, I, that's a weakness of mine. I don't know who that coach is. But I can tell you that I didn't like Logan Diggs, and so I didn't think that he was going to be some like amazing running back either. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I just don't know that that's a viable example, only because he didn't even play because he's not ready. Um, I think it was Brian Kelly specifically saying that he couldn't go like full at practice, whether it's you know maybe he's still okay. learning things or so. You know, I, I didn't know that. I thought I honestly thought that he was active. So I I I I take back the throwing you under the bus. It doesn't apply. I apologize. Oh no, and and you're good because you're kind of trying to make that bigger point of saying, you know, sometimes we can't just assume a guy who's who hasn't been like elite is going to come into a system and then become elite, right? Unless he's transferring down to a G five system, then Logan Diggs would probably be, you know, a star. He'd go to Kent State, or uh, that's probably not the best example, but um, but you're right. It, it's a tough transfer into like SEC school. So, and if we're if we're highlighting guys we don't even need to spend time on them because we talk about them um all the time but Audric Estime Notre Dame running back he ran over guys this week um just i mean he he's been good so far honestly he's been as advertised and he's going to be a, a threat i don't know what his eventual nfl future is you know he's he's not going to be like a Jonathan Taylor type athlete no i mean he's not that fast but Honestly, he's going to be a hammer at the college level and at the NFL level, he'll probably have a role as well. Yeah, and what's nice is through two games, he's averaging two receptions per game. And so that's not something we really had last year. He had a, a receiving profile, but it wasn't anything spectacular. And not to say that two receptions per game is amazing, but you know, you'll hear a lot of people, especially around draft time and stuff, talk about like a 20 or 20 something reception uh, threshold that they want to see from guys. Obviously, if we're talking about 12 game season, two game, you know, two receptions a season or two, two receptions a, a game, the math adds up. So I, I think that he's hitting a lot of thresholds that we already wanted to see. I don't think that Audric Estime is the best running back in the class, you know, by any means. I do think that he is right there in that like mid level to where he he can be better than maybe some of the players that you know have already gotten hype, you know. And now Audric Estime ends up like ahead of them a little bit by the end, by the time it's all said and done. Um, I, I do, I definitely do believe that. And obviously, like people are going to fall in love with the size and and the look and all that. Like, I feel like. You know, thinking back to this last class, there were so many players that were like, well, he'd be great if he was just this big, if he just weighed this much and like that kind of thing. We're not going to have any of those question marks with Audrick Estime. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. And, and speaking of big guys and, and coming through early in the season and guys who, who maybe actually could be towards the top of the class at their position, do you think that Keon Coleman, you know, maybe after Marvin has Marvin Harrison Jr. after an Omeka Buka um, out of FSU, a transfer in from Michigan State. Keon Coleman could be that next wide receiver in the class. Like, did he convince you just off that performance and what he's done in the past that he's maybe at that wide receiver three spot or at least vying for it? I mean, he was always up there for me. He wasn't in wide receiver three by any means, but I mean, I, I, I believe that he was my wide receiver. He was somewhere in like 24 to 30 range, something like that, uh, preseason, offseason, whatever. 
uh, and overall, not in the class, <laughs> overall in Debbie. Uh, so, and that's with freshmen and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, when you start moving them up, you know, I actually just wrote an article about Keon, uh, Keon Coleman uh, for DLF. And I said, like, I, I, I'm ready to move them up in Debbie ahead of uh, Zachariah Branch, like players like that that are, you know, that, that are like less proven. So, like, I'm ready to move them up pretty damn high um, because obviously Branch is moving up as well. I mean, he was already pretty high to begin with, but now that people have seen him score touchdowns, punting, you know, punting touchdowns, punt return touchdowns, uh, you know, screens for big plays, all that kind of stuff, they're ready to move Zachariah Branch way up there. Now, Mind you, Zachary Branch didn't do very much in, in week two. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm not comparing the players at all because I actually really do like Zachariah Branch. But he hasn't done hardly anything beyond the line, line of scrimmage, which kind of reminds me of Luther Burton. So <laughs> that kind of freaks me out a little bit. But I I, I just want to see more. So I'm not, I'm not hating on Branch by any means. But Keon Coleman showed me that he's ready to take that next step. He's in a pretty prolific offense. Um, obviously, all eyes are going to be on him. I think he will get the draft capital, like everything we're going to want to see. So I'm ready to move him up, uh, you know, pretty damn high. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of why you bank on the player talent, even if there is some ambiguity as far as, you know, where was he going to slot in at FSU or was he going to stay at Michigan state? Um, but ultimately sometimes that talent shines through. So speaking of talent that shines through, I think we got to mention Travis Hunter here. Um, a guy that I was definitely advocating for, drafting just because at the end of the day, if he plays a lot of wide receiver snaps, he's going to be a very, very fun player and someone the NFL draft wants to invest in whether he picks defense offense. That's still to be determined. Like he played an insane amount of snaps this week. I want to say it was well over a hundred, but um, the guy, he looked good on offense in what should have been even a bigger day for him. You know, there was a, a 60 yard touchdown pass that just, right off the fingertips um, could have brought that in. And there was another overturn touchdown, which honestly it was such a ticky tack call where uh, most people on Twitter, they didn't even realize it got overturned. Like they're like, no, that's good. Um, so ultimately, you know, very close to even more of an explosive day. And the guy on defense was just showing some unreal um, plays as well. So I, I guess, you know, the conversation still is, does he play offense? But that was always my bet of like, well, his price is being depressed because there's uncertainty there. You want to invest in very top end talent. And, and I think that he delivered on that. You know, he's going to be a guy that he's going to get a ton of media coverage. If he continues at a pretty uh, prolific pace, he could even be in the Heisman conversation. I've seen that, um, that discussion already started. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to get hate for this one, but I'm kind of all out on Travis Hunter. <laughs> I, I don't really want uh, anything to do with them as far as like at cost, because obviously he's going to be insane. Like his cost is going to be insane right now. If you're trying to t talk about a Debbie league, or if you're talking about a C to C league, like regardless of what it is, people are going to say, I want, you know, the world for, for Travis Hunter and at cost. I'm just, I'm all out because if you really look at it now, you're saying like there's a couple misplays here or there, but I mean, we can say that about basically any player. Um, there, there's usually like, uh, like we can say for, uh, Malik neighbors and, and Jaden Daniels this past week, Malik neighbors fell down and, you know, and then there was an interception. Like there's always those big plays or those plays that just don't work out. That's just football. Um, now I'm not saying that we should necessarily take it away. I'm just saying, I'm not using it and saying like, Oh, I think he's amazing because of, of, you know, those missed plays. 
when we really look at it, the entire team did well. The entire offense did well. And Jimmy Horn Jr. did essentially what Travis Hunter did on offense. Now, Jimmy Horn Jr. did not play defense. He didn't play 140 snaps or whatever. I'm not trying to say that they're the same player. I'm not trying to compare the players. I am saying on offense, they were essentially the same exact player. Travis Hunter had 10.8 yards per reception. Jimmy Horn, 10.6. They both had 11 receptions in this game. PPR points per touch, 2.08 for Travis Hunter, 2.61 for Jimmy uh, Jimmy Horn. Uh, res- yards per uh, team pass attempt, 2.53 for Travis Hunter, 2.21 for Jimmy Horn. Market share, 23% for Travis Hunter, 23%. It's 23.33 for Travis Hunter, 22.94% for Jimmy Horn Jr. Points per game, Jimmy Horn actually scored a touchdown, so he actually scored more points for the game. So when it's all said and done, like for for uh, fantasy football purposes, Jimmy Horn was a better player. Now, once again, I'm not trying to say that Jimmy Horn is a better player than, than Travis Hunter. What I am saying is I feel like it was kind of fluky. I feel like Deion Sanders had to win his first game. Like it just had to happen and he was going to do whatever it took. And that include having Travis Hunter on the, on offense. I don't think it's going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. I guess to be determined on if it'll continue, but I think that using those statistics there are just, it's not really realistic for two of the most, um, well, the, the, the touchdown catch and, and the almost missed like seven, what was it? 60 yard opportunity there that completely flips things, right? Completely flips the conversation about this. And you don't even take into account the fact that the guy was already gassed on the field. Plus the fact that he was also taking snaps off of offense to rest up while the guy that you just plug statistics for as a full-time offensive player. It's just like the, the argument around Travis Hunter is just insane as far as, you know, what he was doing out there on the field, but you're right. This does put him in a very costly position. If, if you're saying, if you're anticipating his price to rise. So I'm not saying folks should be putting him ahead of like an Evan Stewart or, or any of those guys there, but you know, you start talking about like a, a Matthew golden or a Luther burden. It's like at this rate, I mean, I don't know. I, I would probably rather have Travis Hunter than, than those guys. I don't know about you, but I think that he's, he's rising up in, in those terms. Who's got a better bet of going, you know, round one and being a big time difference maker, uh, actual stud wide receiver. I think it's him. And I think that the statistics aren't going to uh, tell the whole picture. Maybe we'll have to revisit this later in the season and see how, how the um, production plays out for Travis Hunter. I actually think that's interesting, and I and I definitely don't disagree with you. I I just I don't I feel like he has to make a decision at some point, and, and, and you know maybe you know maybe it's not going to happen this year. I don't know. I mean, although is he is he a sophomore? Um, yeah, he's a true sophomore, so he's he's got yeah. this season and next season to kind of make that full time decision. Yeah. So I, I guess he technically could play the entire year, do whatever. I just don't see it happening. I mean, I feel like you, you're at such a risk of injury, you know, being on the field that often, you're straining your body to that extent. I mean, there's a reason why we don't see two-way college and NFL football players. Like, that just doesn't happen. So I, you know, like, I, I, I play two-way in peewee football. You know, that's about the extent that, you know, that I feel like most people can do it. After after that, it's, it's, it's pretty damn difficult. So all props... Every single prop 
to Travis Hunter. I'm not trying to hit on the player by any means. I'm just saying, like, I feel like he's he's up here. Uh, I don't know if you can. There we go. He's up here um, after week one for like most everyone, and I have him like here. You know, so I I just want to like I want to temper expectations a little bit. But you brought up a a pretty good example, or actually an interesting example. You you talked about Luther Burden. Obviously, I'm not going to talk about Luther Burden because I've I've done way too much of that. But I feel like people have gotten kind of hyped about Burden after week one. And you were kind of saying, "Hey, I'm ready to move Travis Hunter above him, all that kind of stuff." Uh, did you were you a little concerned by some of the play? Because obviously, we've talked a little bit about it. You know, maybe there we we didn't see the yards per reception, we didn't see the a dot, we didn't see stuff like that. So, I mean, are you still a little? Are you maybe even more concerned even after a good game uh, about Luther Burden than you know, like you were kind of hoping that he was just going to come out and just be this like force? Yeah, not a lot of things have really changed in my opinion yet, right? And, and probably same on your end, right? It's it's like he hasn't changed our minds that he needs to take that step forward. So ultimately, I, I need to see it this season and, and even the next season as well. But yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't the true breakout, even if people think, oh yeah, he broke out again this this you know, first game of the season. No, the true breakout hasn't happened yet to this point. And that's why I'm saying a guy who was actually used all over the field, used deep, used intermediate, making clutch catches at the end of the game to help um, help his team win the game. Those were things that Travis Hunter was pulling off that Luther Burden, you know, isn't quite able to do yet. Um, so ultimately, yes, um, I, I'm not going to go too much further in depth on Luther Burden, but a guy who needs to show more. Absolutely. I agree. So, um, I guess before we leave Colorado, what do you think of Dylan Edwards? Because obviously people are extremely hyped about him now. Uh, he had what three touchdowns? Didn't do much on the yard or on the ground. You know, twenty four yards rushing, I believe it was. Uh, but he had some big, big plays in the receiving game. Do you think that he's the truth? I mean, obviously, true freshman, right? So like, we we don't know exactly. You know, is it true freshman? Am I wrong about that? You smirked. <laughs> Usually, yeah. you smirk when I'm wrong. So <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I no, you you are absolutely correct. On okay, on all right. The... So true, true, <laughs> true freshman. Uh, good. You know, sometimes the, there's some screwy shit that happens. You know, like this guy transferred before he ever played and all that. But all right, so true freshman. We, you know, we, I don't know if the, anyone was truly hyped about Dylan Edwards before this game really happened because it's Colorado. Like, you know, what are the odds that he's actually like, you know, that good, all that kind of stuff. I believe a four star prospect, which is great, but he's like a 165 pound four star prospect, uh, which is not great on, uh, on a team that we didn't expect to be very good. But after that game, are you more hyped about Edwards? I, I think that, you know, you would put in, possibly put in, uh, a claim, like a small claim for a, a waiver bid in a C2C league. I, I did the same thing. I put in like a 25% claim just, just so I could say, hey, you know, I, I did my part in, in case no one else bids or whatever, but, you know, I didn't end up getting them. <laughs> yeah, and I will admit that I was very low on him, probably similar to you. It's like the size thing was just a big deal breaker for me. And is he actually going to play at Colorado? Because Colorado was even bringing in like an Alton McCaskill who say what you want about like the ultimate efficiency and explosiveness of that player. Well, that, that's a that's a established um, running back in college, and a guy who has more size brings more as like an every down player. And yeah, I got a little bit concerned, so I never really moved him up. But Dylan Edwards, 
what he did athleticism wise, um, explosiveness wise, like you said, maybe not on the ground, but just in the passing game, I think that's just going to get him more and more touches. And when you talk about the opportunity to land a, maybe a Deuce Vaughn of the next three years or four years, even like that is just so tantalizing that for me, if I was in a league, I had the opportunity. I'm I'm spending definitely a bigger chunk of the the fab. I don't know if I'm spending a hundred percent, but pretty darn close. Um, depends, I guess, how many claims you have per season, right? Because that that really really does affect the strategy involved with how much fab you use um, to pick up a guy like that in a C to C league. So in Devi, I mean, don't get too excited about Dylan Edwards, right? I mean, if somebody did draft him in a, in a deeper Devi league, I'm not going and trading for him, but in C to C it's just different um, with the amount of production that he might actually end up putting up here uh, this season, but then in the future. So don't expect the same production game to game out of a guy like that, but ultimately that's going to earn him a lot of respect from the coaching staff, from the team. So ultimately, expect some some very fun plays at least out of out of um dylan edwards there in colorado all right and then uh getting into a couple of running backs here you know we've talked about damian martinez quite a bit uh but i felt like he had a pretty damn good game there in week one um obviously 100 what 164 yards uh scrimmage yards total uh you know he had a six almost a 16 percent big time run rate you know like stuff that i love to look at obviously uh 21 touches two receptions uh you know are, are you feeling any different about damian martinez after week one or you are you you know you, you've always been a fan at least uh, i don't know you know but are you moving him up after that I'm a big fan, and when I look at the 2025 class rankings for those RBs, it's actually that I'm moving guys down. I'm moving Branson Robinson down, unfortunately, at Georgia. Just Yatera, was it Patellar tendon? That's a big-time tendon as far as explosiveness, as far as what that brings um, to your game and a long rehab process. Uh, Trevor Etienne, not necessarily bumping him down much, right? He, we still know he's talented and he's not injured, but Damian Martinez, I mean, he's going to put up so many points like in a C to C format. And, you know, the funny thing was Damian Martinez could have had even more, like he had an impressive week, but he kept getting vultured by DJU. And then I think they end, well, they pulled him at the end of the game. They, they played Martinez fairly late, but ultimately what could have been an even more impressive day with just more touchdown luck going his way. I, I think there's some good things to come out of an offense that quite frankly, probably impressed people or at least showed that they're, they're competent out there. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I, I think he had a, a big, big week there. Um, a player that I don't think you've been as hyped on uh, is Devin Neal. And yet I feel like, you know, same thing. Like he had another big week as well. Um, are you feeling the same way where you're, you know, you're moving maybe people down, but even if you're not necessarily moving Devin Neal up, but you know, he's just by proxy moving up in the ranks. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Anybody who had like, I'm, I'm trying to think of the guys who were really hyped, like Jaquindon Jackson, right? If you had Jaquindon Jackson ahead of Neal, you're probably flip-flopping those guys, right? Move Jaquindon down. We didn't really talk about him earlier in the show, but he hasn't been impressive so far. And we should have because that yeah, was that was one of the bigger that was one of the bigger misses <laughs> for a lot of people. I mean, people were getting pretty damn hyped about Jaquindon Jackson, and uh, yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, right. He was getting out carried by, you know, the the quarterback, you know, weapon out there and then also by his own backfield mate who's who's kind of just a do-it-all, you know, running back in Micah Bernard. So that'll be interesting to watch how that split goes. I just don't think that Jacquinan has, has quite taken over the way that a lot of people anticipated or projected out there. But anyways, as far as like Devin Neal specifically for Kansas goes, I, I'm not really moving him up just because it was weak competition. They yes, they even I think pulled him early. Like he just did not get to play a full complement of snaps. Um, but by no means am I moving him down. Like I'm still very encouraged. And um and yeah, it's not like I'm giving the guy away for free by any means, but I, I still have him pretty high. I think I have him higher than Audric Estime still, which I might, you know, that's actually a, a good conversation to have. I don't know if you lean one way or another yet on those players or, or if that's still to be determined um, just by the season. If, if estimate really keeps up that receiving production, well, he needs to take even a further step forward. Cause like you said, you know, two per game, that's fine. But I mean, if he really, really outshines Neil there, then we'd be forced to kind of move estimate up past him. Yeah. Well in the, I told you, you know, I said earlier how I, I created the, like the CFF models um, and so in those models, Devin Neal was my RB3 for the week. Uh, Audric Estime is, well, I guess Estime has played two games. So Estime is my RB17 through two games. Um, and that's overall. That's you know through all of college football, that kind of stuff. And that's just looking at the two games that have been played or one game or whatever. Then when we get into the actual like total model and everything, Devin Neal is ahead. Um, but it's not by that far much i mean we're looking about a handful of, of spots um so that hasn't truly actually you know what i don't have it sorted right okay so now i'm looking at it correctly <laughs> and uh and yeah we're still looking at like a handful of spots is it uh actually it's three spots three spots ahead of Audric estime as of right now obviously we've we're dealing with small samples for a lot of this stuff uh for for this season so things are going to change but i'll tell you what Neil showed me what I wanted to see in week one. At the very least, like you said, you're not moving him down. Um, where I feel like you, you know you were you were a little uh, poo pooing on Devin Neal before. You know maybe he wasn't special and all that kind of stuff. And maybe he's not truly special, but I feel like he once again he's another guy like an Estime that can just creep his way up. And next thing you know, he's you know he, like no one was truly talking about Roshan Johnson last year until we got to the draft season. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, Roshan Johnson, he's going to be amazing. It's like, where was this two months ago? You know, like, where was this six months ago? I feel like that, you know, they can be those kind of players, you know, maybe even a little bit better because they have actual like full on careers to show for, you know, and, and production to show for and not just, oh, well, he could have been something if, you know, if that player's there. So maybe it's not even the best example, but I'm just trying to say like somebody that really wasn't on the radar that ended up kind of being on the radar when it was all said and done. And I feel like that, or like a Ty J Spears, like somebody like that, but I was trying not to go like the G five route. <laughs> uh, somebody like that, where you're like, Hey, they're good. They, they can be a quality backup at the very least, but they could be a starting running back in the NFL. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I don't know if, you know, Neil's mainstream enough, right? He's been on the radar for long enough, um, even as a sleeper, as, as a true freshman where, yeah, I'm not sure if he, he came out of nowhere by any means, but like, yes, he had a good week, Missouri State, and he didn't break 100 yards. But 
I, I do want to see against stiffer competition and him getting more playing time. If he can actually, you know, consecutively get hundred yard games and, and you know, really rack up um, some long or big plays, explosive plays, because if he keeps this up at the rate that he was going against Missouri state, that's great, but he's going to even get a better test against Illinois this next week. So I'm just kind of looking ahead and saying, you know, it might not be all rosy and, 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 super optimistic as far as every game this season out of Neil. Um, again, I think he's a solid player, but I was going to say one player that kind of fits that criteria for you is, um, is Jalen Wright, Tennessee running back. And the, the unfortunate part of that is that Dylan Sampson, who we both like is dominating there as far as at least the goal line or red zone touches. Like he had what four touchdowns um, as a sub, you know, 200 pound back. What's up with that? Um, yeah, he's like 190 and he's the, he's literally the goal line back. I mean, they, they put him in every time it was in a goal line situation, which is hilarious. And then he had one receiving touchdown as well. And it was literally his only reception of the day. Yeah, I believe. Right, right. His stat line was so obscure and just, you know, in the first half, you looked at his stat line and it was like one carry for a touchdown, one reception for a touchdown. And it's like, what? He can't keep this up. And then he kept scoring. Um, so maybe he's gained the trust. But if not, I mean, Jalen Wright looked like a little bit more of the every down type of back at Tennessee. And he's just better than Jabari Small. Jabari Small is not a special back. He is a compiler, but he also has a role. So we'll see if maybe Small starts to take that third string role. Um, ultimately, Jalen Wright's got some juice. He's going to test really well. So you want a deep sleeper, want a guy to go after on the waiver wire if he is available in your league in a C2C format. Like Jalen Wright could be that guy for Tennessee. He absolutely could be. I, I've i always liked Wright, but I, I think I've gotten a little too caught up in my Samson love. And so I, I kind of just, I wanted to hate on Wright and it was, it was not right to hate on Wright. Um, but, you know, going back to the, the CFF model, uh, <laughs> Wright was running back 17 in the model. Jabari Small is 128th. Like, Jabari Small should not be getting touches in this backfield. It should literally be the Jalen Wright and the and the Dylan Sampson show. I don't understand why Jabari Small is still in the field. Like, he has to have pictures of the coach or something. I don't know what's going on. But, man, just get him off of the, the field. So, um, I, I think that that's a great player to probably end it on while Jalen Wright isn't the biggest, you know, well-known name or anything like that. Uh, I feel like we've covered a lot of players. Obviously we're going to have plenty of, of time to cover every other player in, in college football. And we're just going to get more and more of a sample here. So hopefully we, we discuss some of the players that you were hoping to hear about and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, we're sitting at like an hour and 15, so we can definitely, uh, you know, touch on those players or any other players that we didn't talk about, uh, in, in the future pod and in, in a couple of weeks, you know, who, who knows, maybe I'll even get Aaron on in a week and we'll, we'll try and go to more of a weekly thing, but that probably won't happen. <laughs> so we appreciate you guys listening. I think Aaron's got to get out of here. So we'll go ahead and, uh, and get out. But do you have any words of wisdom before you leave Aaron? No, just, just enjoy these games while they're here. Enjoy. Yeah. This whole season. It's going to be a fun one. 
I agree. We didn't even get. I had a couple sleeper players and stuff, but we'll get into those in the the next one. And I'll and I'll have an extra week, and so I'll see if they're actually sleepers or if they were just a, you know a fluke. So we'll we'll check all that out. I uh, look forward to watching some more football this weekend. Hopefully, you guys uh, enjoy your C to C leagues, enjoy your Debbie leagues, all that kind of stuff. But for now, we're gonna go ahead and cash out. <laughs> see you guys. 